day. Thank you for what he carries in spirit. Thank you for the journey he's been on with you and what he brings for us today, God. Would there just be a double-edged sword coming from his mouth that would just speak right into our hearts, bring freedom and breakthrough and revelation. Yeah, thank you for his heart and bless him today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Me too. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. No, it's lovely to be here. How many of you were here last time I spoke? It was sometime last year. You came back. That's awesome. Some people that are new. And I'd love a pulpit. Thank you. Her pulpit will travel. I want to begin, firstly, greetings. Greetings from Jubilee, our lovely church down in the eastern suburbs. Someone's got to live there. And uh, from my wife, sends her love. She's ministering at Jubilee tonight. And I want to bring greetings from Pierre and Maxine. They're sons in the Lord who are in our church at the moment. And we are about to launch them to church plant in uh, Cape Town. And I thought it would be good for them to come to a new church plant and get a feel for that. And they're also going to minister to us at the end with some words of knowledge and some prophetic ministry. So um, <clears throat> I found it a little bit unique, a little bit special today that about five months ago, Aaron um, invited me to minister at Dayspring, gave me a date, which was today. And then only about three or four weeks ago, um, Tim and Deb asked me to come and minister at I-61 on the same day. And I thought, what was the chance of that happening? probably zero, except in God, you know, and some of you would know the history of the connection with Dayspring, and maybe not all of those memories are happy memories. Maybe they are, and maybe you don't care less. Either way, I feel it's important to say a word over the church that will encourage you. Why else would I be here? And uh, just because I thought, well, you know... I call I-61 the unintentional church plant out of Dayspring. And, uh, and so somehow there can be that, maybe, maybe not in you, maybe I'm just imagining this, but maybe there's some sense of, what, is this authentic? Was it called by God? Was it always God's intention? And I felt John 1, because we sang it in the song tonight about before we were in the womb, God called us. And I think some children are born thinking, was I really planned? Of course you weren't. Your parents were, whatever, I won't go there. No, maybe you were. I don't know. It doesn't matter, really. Because I think that this is what I'm trying to get to. Uh, verse 12 of John chapter 1 uh, says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And I believe that I-61 was born... Maybe not in human decision. Maybe it wasn't that intentionality, but God had it in his heart. And God planted this church out of his heart. He always had it in mind. Just like God always had your birth in mind. He planned you. No mistakes in heaven. No mistakes in God. Come on. And so I wanted to bring that word to you to know how loved you are, how intentional you were created, not just as individuals, but as a church, I-61 church. God was always had you in his heart. And uh, it was lovely being in Dayspring this morning and lovely having lunch with Aaron and Kristen and their team. Lovely 
sending greetings from Joel and them to you. And the love that there is between the two churches. Maybe it took a while to get there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but that's the way God always felt. It just sometimes takes us a while to catch up with what God always felt. And so if that blesses you, it blesses me. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm going to preach what I had in my, in my heart. <laughs> Moving right on to John chapter 10. So stay in John with me. If you've got a Bible, if you've got an iPhone, if you've got some sort of form of the Word, it's always good to be in the Word. John chapter 10. <clears throat> Read the whole first 10 verses because sometimes you can cherry pick your, your favorite verses and not get the context. And so since... You're not, you wouldn't be like that. I wouldn't read you the whole lot. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. In fact, They'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, how often does this happen in the Bible? Wouldn't it be a bit frustrating as a teacher if every time you taught, you'd think, most people aren't getting this. So then the disciples come to him, Jesus, can you explain what on earth you're talking about? Well, you know, him who has ears to hear, all that stuff. Verily, verily, you know, had to repeat himself a lot, old Jesus. He, in verse 7 says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal. This is the part that we all know. Verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When I learned this verse as a teenager, when I first got saved, it was like, you will have life and life more abundantly. So I've called this, more, this evening, life more abundantly. How many of you are up for an abundant life? That's awesome. I'm glad you came. I'm the good shepherd. We had a lot of that in the songs tonight. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I just want to com compliment the worship team tonight. I know last time I was here... I spoke about the songs of the Lord. I spoke about uh, singing in tongues and singing a new song and, and melodies of the heart. So we sang some, us, us sang a melody of the heart and we all picked it up. There's, there's so many uh, dimensions of worship. And I just want to say from the few months that I've been absent, how much you've grown in your worship and how that space of, of Holy Spirit and people entering in just went so much deeper than last time I was here. So bless you for listening and for taking whatever I taught on board and for going with it. It's really wonderful. Because not just the worship team, it's everyone. We, it, worship is a corporate experience. Otherwise, we just get an iPod and go and hang out in the, you know, in the park. We need each other. We need each other's voices. We need each other's sounds and songs and cries of the heart, melodies of the heart. We need them all. Worship's no fun without a whole group of people. Amen. So I want to just bless you for that. So Jesus is speaking here. Uh, the analogy, the metaphor of a sheep and a shepherd, and obviously being city people, we, we get it, although you get it more than I do. You're closer to the bush than I am. In fact, I remember, you know, I remember driving to your last venue thinking, I'm in the country. 
I think it's Sydney, but I'm, you know, I think my GPS even stopped. I'm like, it's like, not quite. You don't know what car I drive. Anyway, so, you know, there's this thing of, Maybe we don't fully get the shepherd sheep analogy in as city dwellers, but we need to because it's part of the father heart of God. It's part of his love for us. It's part of the, the, the character that he has. And he speaks about two dimensions. One is the thief and one is the good shepherd. We need to understand those dimensions because you're a fairly young church. And the thing about being young is a wonderful thing. You can learn new stuff. You can, I know that you're doing some experimental things with how you run your Sunday services. I'm all for that because I think God loves the whole bride. He loves the church. There's some people that dress up, you know, on Sundays and, you know, dress up like mother and call themselves father, that kind of stuff. You know, really funny stuff and bells and, and, and smells and, and liturgies. Oh, I grew up with that. That was, that was I, I dressed, wore, wore a dress as an altar boy. Really, it was a dress. Looks like a dress. Feels like a dress. Must be a dress. And uh, that was part of my serving, you know. I didn't know God, but I was serving in the house of, of, of God. And, and God loves his whole church. But the central thing, whether it's Catholic, Anglican, Hillsong, I-61, Jubilee, it's that Christ is central. The foundation of this church is Christ and Jesus and his character. That's why we sang him. We sang his name. We, we immersed ourselves in him. We, he, Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so as a church, as we lay foundations, as, as I've come as, an, as apostle to lay foundations and to equip and to bless you and to add a gift that, that, that you might need. That's what I've come to do tonight. And so I want to, I want to implore you, fix your eyes on Jesus. However you do church, in groups, in corporate, on your own, in twos and threes, keep Jesus as the central person of that. And you will never go off track because he is the, the chief cornerstone. The foundations are laid by apostles and prophets, but Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. I'm not a builder, but I know that when you build something and the cornerstone's in line, that the plumb line is in line, then the whole building will be, have its dimensions right. And so God loves your church. I love your church. I also love the whole church. I'm passionate about the church. I don't let anybody in our church ever speak ill of any church, any denomination, any group of people, because it's the bride of Christ. I would not want anyone dishonoring my bride, my beautiful bride of 35 years, and the same way Jesus feels about his church. I know some people love Jesus, but they don't like the church. It's like loving the head, but not loving the body. Come on. We can love the head. And the body with equal passion. Amen. So I love Jesus and I love his church. So today I'm speaking about the good shepherd. But I also want to bring in the dimension of, well, the thief comes. He does come to rob, kill, and destroy. So we mustn't mix up the two because James 1 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, in whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. So when Jesus was saying, understand this about me. I'm a good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. Good shepherds lay their lives down for the sheep. 21 years ago, we came to Sydney to lay our lives down for the sheep. We had no idea exactly what the cost would be. It was going to be enormous. But we knew that God had sent us as missionaries to Australia. And we're glad we came. Thank you for adopting us. 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for welcoming us. We're so grateful as immigrants when we come to this nation, and there are so many benefits. We are amazed. But we came because God sent us. Amen? And he was a good shepherd. And those early years were so difficult. And I think I shared a bit of the story last, week, last time I was here. Of, of When we got here, we just realized that we'd lost all our money in Adelaide. And that's what happened. And we invested our money. It, 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 the company went insolvent. And so we started off in minus. You know, we had money. We thought we had money, but we didn't. And we had to, to launch out by faith. And God saw our faith, and he saw our humiliation. We, he saw the fact that we, when you've had money and haven't got it, it's more fun having it. Amen? Anyone been there? And when you haven't, it's very humbling and humiliating. And the thief did come to rob and kill and destroy. And I remember saying to God, God, I really believe in tithing. And Malachi 3.10 says that if we tithe, that, he, that you will rebuke the devourer. Did you miss this particular devourer? <laughs> what happened? Any of you been perplexed? Well, I want to encourage you tonight. You know, sometimes we, 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 we think that God is like our prayers are like you, you put money in and get stuff out. You put the prayer in, you get the result. And sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And all the while, over those next five or six years that we were really, really struggling financially, I never for a minute doubted the goodness of God. Because I'd already spent 20 years in His presence. And I'd seen His goodness. I'd seen His power. I was perplexed by it. I was surprised that we'd lost money because I'm very surprised when we go backwards. I prefer when I play snakes and ladders, I prefer the ladders. Amen? I don't want to play with snakes. But we'd experienced a snake. We'd experienced like we'd gone backwards financially and every other way. And I'm like, how's this going to work out? And I didn't know how it would work out. But you know, when you know God's for you, who can be against you? When you know God's good, then you know that somehow it'll turn out good. Somehow God will use it to, to work out for your good. And I, I've told, please give me a, a time signal so I know exactly where I am. Are you going to help me? Will you give me f 10 minutes, then 5 minutes, and then really, that'll really help me. Because I had a phone that's disappeared, but, oh, okay. But as long as I have a helper, that's great. Because I have been known to have the gift of continuation. <laughs> but you know it, I knew God was good and I was a bit perplexed I was like what's going on Lord but you see part of that was him training me in lack you see because if you can rejoice when you haven't if you only rejoice when you get the answers to your prayers what about rejoicing before you get them the answers as though you've got them what about I remember I was worshipping and I've led worship at very big conferences like 15,000 people and it's fun 5,000 people, mosh pit, massive sound in gear, and just, you know, recording albums. And I'm like, this is so good. And then the Lord said to me, because I had to go and get a second job, and, and I was going to work at, at 6 in the morning in the dark. I'd get to these building sites and have to put up these big billboards along the airport, and the whole thing would be swaying. And I'm like, my, my boss said to me, wear your oldest clothes. I'm like, I'm a preacher. I'm got old clothes, you know. And I meant it. You look at me like, Weirdly, I, had, I didn't have any old clothes. I went, I went to climb up the ladder in, in, in Pierre Cardin and, and, and Caterpillar shoes, and he laughed at me. I'm like, you're going to ruin those clothes. But you see, God was saying to me, will you worship me up the ladder? Will you worship me in an audience of one? And so I did. I learned songs. I sang songs that no one heard except me and the guy who was working with me, <laughs> who's a Christian. He's still in our church today. 
And I sang those songs for an audience of one because actually God wanted to teach me something about reliance on Him, about faith, about pushing through difficulties, about, yeah, the enemy got in there somehow, whether it was Him, the, the, the darkness, I don't know, but I was robbed. And have you been robbed of something? Health, finance. Well, you see, I want to encourage you tonight. You get it all back. God restores the years the locusts have eaten. It doesn't matter what's been taken, health, wealth, relationships, self-image, innocence, whatever has been stolen from you, God is a God who restores everything the locust has eaten. That's His promise to, to us. I, it might take six months. It might take six years. But God will restore everything that you've lost. Long story short, we got it all back with a lot of interest. I mean, extraordinary restoration. It's too long to tell the whole story. I've got less time than I usually have. So what's the purpose of all this? I want to say to you that the, the foundation of this church is that God is good. He, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I'm not an ordinary shepherd. I'm not just a so-so shepherd. I don't have good days and bad days. I don't wake up one day and give you a blessing. The next day, take it away. Because some people teach that. You see, the reason why you are you got cancer, sir, is because God wants to teach you something. How would I teach my children about the goodness of, of my nature by taking their hand and saying, this stove's hot. Here, give me your hand. What, but that's what people say that God does. God sends earthquakes. God sends famine. God you know, kills people. Whole families, whole cities are, are raised to the ground. That's not the God that I serve. That's not the God who's my father, who's a good, good father, who loves me with an everlasting love. He, has, he, he loved me so much, he sent Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's, what's the Father like? Well, he's just like Jesus. Who, Jesus, who, who, who came upon a woman who'd caught, been caught in adultery and, and was, was vulnerable, probably naked. I always wonder where the man was. I thought it took two people to commit adultery. Last time I checked. Amen. How come the woman is the one? who's brought before, before Jesus. Anyway, that's not a whole other sermon. But she's brought out. She's humiliated in front of the whole crowd who are now looking for blood. They're looking for justice. They're looking for the law. The law says she should be stoned. Jesus says nothing. Just writes in the sand. I want to know what he wrote in the sand. <laughs> Don't you want to know? I wouldn't be able to read it anyway because it's probably in Aramaic. So. But he wrote stuff. Maybe he wrote down stuff that they'd done. I don't know what he wrote down in the sand. But after a while, he said, who, who, who hears without sin? You cast the first stone. And very quietly, everyone left. What was he saying? You, what you see me? This is how my dad is. For too long, my dad has been misrepresented by religion. In that case, Judaism has misrepresented God. Harshness, law, legalism, death, vengeance, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That does not reflect my father. I'm going to have to take the time to teach and walk and love and heal and restore, welcome the children. I'm going to have to show you what the Father's like because you guys haven't a clue. It took his disciples a long time to understand how good God was. And Jesus wants to lay a foundation in this church, I-61, of the goodness of God. That the nature of Jesus is the nature of the Father. The nature of the Father is the nature of the Holy Spirit, that everything God does comes out of His nature. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. You can't get heavenly flu because there's no flu in heaven. You can get Hong Kong flu, that's because it comes from Hong Kong. Amen. But you can't get the heavenly flu. It doesn't come from there. 
So the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I, I have a clear vision in my heart of what the abundant life looks like. I've lived it sometimes, and other times I haven't. And I want you guys to be aware enough in your own lives as to know when you're living the abundant life and when you aren't. Because this is not the abundant life. This is part of the abundant life. The abundant life is every part of our life. It's your career. It's your professional world. It's your friendships. It's your hobbies. It's the things you love to do. It's the things you do when you're on your own, when you think, this is amazing. That is the abundant life. I have nerf wars with my 12-year-old. That's the abundant life right there. I go running with my 14-year-old. The coastal run, of course. Sorry, I have to keep mentioning it. <laughs> Bronte to Bondi. I go surfing big waves with my 26-year-old with my because we love to terrify ourselves in the water. What is that? That's the abundant life. I might go for a date with one of my daughters. I've got four daughters. I might go for a date. That's the abundant life. Come on. And then they have amazing meetings, like tonight. And God shows up and God heals people. That's the abundant life. All of it's the abundant life. Because God loves all of our lives. He doesn't just love church meetings. He loves us. You have, you've been commissioned to be salt and light where you are. Every, I don't know how many there are people here tonight, but if you can multiply that by 10 or 20, that's how many people we interact with every, every week. And that's the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you're doing for God, and whatever you're doing in your career, whatever you do as a family, whatever you do your hobby, that is sacred. See, when I grew up in church, there were secular things and sacred things. Spiritual, the, the sacred things were things that we did in church. The secular things were things that we did, you know, just stuff. Engineering, da-da-da. Like, when did the engineering become secular? Isn't God amazing? Aren't, aren't humans amazing, what they build and design? Aren't artists amazing? Aren't musicians amazing? Aren't doctors amazing? Aren't nurses? Aren't mums amazing? Come on. Are you hearing me? You see, parenting is sacred. Work is sacred. When you have a job, coffee is very sacred. Come on. One of the ladies in our church is a seer, and she had this amazing encounter with God, and she, God took her, had a very traumatic childhood, and God took her into heaven, and this angel took her through her, her mansion. Any of you aware that God says He's prepared mansions for us? Come on, just say mansions. Let me humble about it now. It's not going to live in a hut. We're not going to live in a prefab hut in, in heaven. We're going to live in a, in a mansion. That's what God says. It's the language He uses. He's like flamboyant. He's excessive. There are 12 baskets of food left over. Why? Just because He could. He's not going to just make enough for everyone. So let's have 12 baskets left over. I'm just giving you the picture of God. He's excessive. <laughs> he didn't need to the water, walk on the border. He just did because He could. Just showing off. I can walk on water. Thank you. Where was I? Mansions. Coffee. All right, so she's in heaven, and, and this angel is showing her around her mansion. And there's this lounge room, this coffee table, there's, there's albums on the coffee table of her life. And she sits down with the Lord, and, she, and he's showing her the, the beauty of how he, he was and how he, he saw her in her life. So she's going 
fast forward and then going back through her life in his photograph albums. It was a beautiful encounter. It really healed her emotionally, and it was an amazing encounter. And she told the story, and I was like blessed by her story. But in the back of my mind, I'm, I, I, fixed, I heard something not everyone heard. I heard coffee table in heaven, in her mansion. Why would you need a coffee table without coffee? Just a thought. I'm not building a theology on it. I can see you're not from the eastern suburbs. Clearly, clearly I'm ad- addicted and you need to pray for me. All right. <laughs> so, John 10.10, 10, the, th- the, 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 thief the thief steals our health. He steals our wealth. He steals our peace. He comes to steal our joy. He comes to steal relationships. But Jesus is the, is the author of every good thing. And he's the author of the abundant life. And he has an abundant life for us. Even if you're not there tonight, know where you're headed. Because if you don't know where you're headed, you'll never know when you get there. And be self-aware. No. Like, you are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Paul speaks about this several times. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the part of you that gets born again. And you're like instantly in the image of God, seated in heavenly places in Christ, you know, above everything. You, you, you kind of instantly receive the nature and the, the likeness and the full salvation of God. You get everything when you get saved. And you'd be aware of that. Just two of you? All right. Most of you. All right. That's what salvation is. You, you have a spiritual awakening. You get born again. Bang. You get everything. Except your soul has to then be renewed, your mind, your will, your emotions, to, to understand what happened at salvation, which is why it says, don't be conformed to this world, but, but renew your mind. Be renewed in, the, in your mind so you can understand the height, the width, the length, the, the breadth of salvation, what God did for you, the finished work of the cross. It's a journey. How many of you found that you're renewing your mind is a journey? You're still renewing it. So am I. I'm renewing my mind all the time because we have thoughts that aren't ours. We have thoughts that we think, where'd that come from? That's not me. That's not who I am. Because your thoughts are important. Taking thought captive and putting them down and, 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 and putting good thoughts in and thinking things about yourself that God thinks about you. That is what renewing your mind is. And then you have a body. Spirit, soul, and body. And God wants to help you see that every part of those are good. You can get saved. You can get a touch from God tonight, like a real touch from God. Like some of you were getting touched in the worship, and I'm, I'm so happy. I was getting touched in the worship. So I get a touch from God. I go straight out of here and eat junk food. Well, my spirit's on fire, but I'm slowly thickening my arteries and messing up my liver or whatever it does. I don't know what junk food does, but it's not good for you. So I'm giving you a picture of Spirit, soul, and body. And I can go through the, through the week, filling my mind with bad news, watching stuff that I don't need to watch. And my soul is not going to be in a, as good a place as my spirit is because the spirit will pick me up. Tonight, I'm giving, I'm, you're getting picked up tonight. Our spirit is getting charged. We're like, you, you, you're pl- like you've plugged your spirit into a charger in a service like this. And you're like, oh, yes, oh, God. Good. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've been negative for too long. Oh, God loves the church. I love the church as well. Oh man, we 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 were always designed for by God. God always had I sixty one in mind. Oh, that's amazing. But if you go out and don't keep reminding yourself of that, 
Or if you go out and, and, and your soul doesn't get the, the goodness of what was, your spirit was receiving, then the, the long-term fruit won't be as good as it could be. So I want to say to you right, straight out, look after your body. I'll show you where this comes from because the Good Shepherd actually gave us a, a scripture for this. I knew you were looking at me like, where's the scripture for that? Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What is that? It's rest. He leads me. Where does he lead me? Into turmoil, into chaos, into dysfunction? No, he leads me into green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. Why? Because he knows that my soul, he knows that my, my, my body needs rest. When we plan our year, we have a busy life. We've got six kids. I've just got a grandchild in January. How good is a grand, grandchildren? Grandchildren are God's reward for parents who didn't kill their children. Because <laughs> it's so easy. You get this little beautiful bundle, you love it, you hug it, you kiss it, you sport it, and you give it back. It's, just, it's, like, it's like a dream. <laughs> but he makes us lie down in green pastures. I, pre- I, pre- I plan my holidays before I plan my conferences and travel. Why? Because actually, to God, my rest and my family are more important than the ministry. It's more important than church. It's more important than all the fruit, all the nations. I've, I've preached at nearly 100 churches in 22 countries. None of that is as important as my wife and my children. They're my first sheep. Is that good? Is that good? And I'm in charge of that. No, I'm not going to get to heaven one day and the Lord's going to say, wow, he preached to so many churches. I, I'm blown away. No, he's going to say, is your wife more ravished and loved and fulfilled than the day you met her when you found her and, and married her? Or she worn out and, and, and bedraggled because you d- drove her through so many nations and countries <laughs> and churches? Are your children in love with God? Are they in love with you? Do you have a good relationship with them? It's all hard work, that stuff. A few nodding heads there. Two minutes? Doing so well. This is a sign and a wonder. And he restores my soul. That's why I spoke about body, soul, and spirit. God restores our soul. He's restoring my marriage. We went through very difficult years as I worked so hard, poured my life out, gave myself, and neglected the very people that were most important to me. So God restores the years the locusts have eaten. He restored our fortunes. We lost all that money in Adelaide. God gave it all back to us. Long story. We, we neglected our relationship in our, in our marriage. God has, by, by my willingness to ask for forgiveness and my willingness to say I was wrong and to forgive myself as well, we can be healed in every area of our life. He restores my soul. That's part of the Good Shepherd's work. People here tonight who God wants to restore your soul. Something was stolen from you. Innocence, love, relationships, inheritances. God wants to restore it to you. He's a restorer. It's his nature. It says he restores ruined cities. He restores whole cultures. He restores people to himself. That's the way he is. Amen? Oh. 
Father. You read the rest of the psalm. It's good for you. You'll, you'll get the gist of it. Father, just thank you tonight for I-61 Church. And I've touched on a few things tonight. I know, I hope that they were key and that they've helped lay a foundation of your goodness in this church and that you have so much more. And I, I bless you for those who've linked in and, and got the vision and how are pressing in and under, underwriting this church with prayer and with finance. And I thank you for everyone in this church tonight, Lord. Thank you for this beginning. Thank you for what it's going to become, a great tree, like an oak tree, planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, out of season. Leaf never withers. Everything we put our hand to will prosper. And so I bless I-61. I bless uh, Tim and Deb as they rest with their family that they'll have an amazing holiday and come back full of beans and full of nonsense and joy and fresh energy. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have enough time to give a couple of words of knowledge? All right, Perry. So Perry's a prophet and uh, amazing son in the Lord. Been with us for four years and he's about to move overseas to plant a church, but he has also an extraordinary gift in prophetic word of knowledge. Good evening, church. Come on. Um, yeah, so I just uh, want to share a couple of testimonies. Um, a testimony is a prophecy that God can do it again. So uh, this morning we, um, I went with Pastor Finney as he ministered to a day spring, and um, I had about 12 words of knowledge that we called out, and out of the 12, uh, eight of them responded, um, and they were pretty, pretty fun words of knowledge. I called out someone's phone number, um, and the person came forward, and so I got to, uh, got to pray for them, um, and uh, we called out. We, I had a word of knowledge for, for someone that was unable to have children. Seven couples came up. And so we got to pray for seven couples. My wife and I have prayed for ten couples. All of them have fallen pregnant and have had beautiful babies. So be fruitful and multiply. So if you, if you don't want children, let me pray for you. Um, come on. we got to catch up to Pastor Finney. Six kids, man. Come on. So I've got a, I've got a couple that I just want to uh, read out to you guys. I don't know if my wife will agree about the six children. Uh, she might hit me over the head, but that's all right. Can't blame me for not trying. Okay, so the first one is um, the Lord showed me a name, and the, um, the name is Jeffrey. So if your name is Jeffrey, any Jeffreys here tonight? No Jeffreys? Do you know someone? Even if you know someone um, that's name is Jeffrey, uh, please respond because um, there's a Jeff that comes here. What is Jeff that comes here's surname? Peoples. I wonder if a Torah means people. I'll actually look it up. The Lord gave me a surname as well. The second one is a date. So if these two dates relate to you in any way, please respond. So it's the 7th of October, 2001. Um, and the next one is the 11th of February, 1986. If these mean anything to you, even if it's off either way, it doesn't matter. Um, just respond to it because I'm not perfect and I'm also learning to, to listen to the voice of the Lord. The next one the Lord showed me was... The Lord showed me a dirty teddy bear, and the teddy bear was burnt. And so if that relates to you in any way, please respond to that. Uh, the next few is the Lord showed me someone's left ear. So it, it, the Lord showed me like the, the drum inside the ear is actually damaged. Um, so if that's you, please respond to that. Um, and if there's anybody here that struggles with uh, nightmares or terrors at night, uh, I really believe the Lord wants to set you free 
um, from that. For many years as a teenager, I was plagued with demonic dreams. Um, demons would wake me up at night, and I would visibly see them. And the Lord set me free completely from all fear when Jesus showed up in a dream. And he turned into the lion of the tribe of Judah and roared over all the fears in my life. So pretty amazing. So that's really good. Uh, the next thing the Lord showed me, is there anybody here that's involved in gymnastics? Your daughter? Whose daughter? Is it? Okay, that's my son. Um, specifically with, does she do, what, what does she do in gymnastics? Okay, that's what I saw, so awesome, that's really cool. The next one is the name, Janine, is there any Janines here, you know Janine? Okay, awesome. Uh, does anybody have a passion for sailing? Yeah, wow. Okay, so this is going to be a weird, weird one. Do you have a desire to swim with dolphins? So you're the sailor. And is there anybody here that's got a desire to swim with dolphins? Okay, so she's got a desire to swim with dolphins. So will you stand in the gap for her? Okay, awesome. So if that is you, please come up. If any of these words of knowledge can, um, relates to you in any way, please come forward. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have got a team of people that pray or minister. Have you guys got a ministry team? Okay, can I invite the team up as well uh, just to come and pray with us? Let's just make a line in front. Um, yeah, please, if your daughter's here, please get her. And so here's the cool thing. Uh, once people respond to the words of knowledge, um, it doesn't mean that we can sit back and relax because a lot of times words of knowledge or promises or stuff that God does in other people's lives is stuff that we can also receive. So if you see someone come up, pray for them, intercede for them. If God sets one person free, it's good for the whole body, right? Because if one part of the body hurts, the whole body aches. But if the whole body is free... If one part is free, the whole body is free. So I want you to stretch out your hands towards them. Um, and if I can ask, just if we can have maybe a little bit of piano, just some ambiance, um, that'd be amazing. So if anybody else is, any words of knowledge, uh, please come forward and we're going to pray for you. And also, if you've got any ailments in your body, if you're sick, if you're not feeling well, if you've got a backache this morning, Pastor Finney prayed. Uh, he's, he, he asked the church, he said, if there's anybody that's got backache um, or that's got a hurt back, please come up for prayer. I think Pastor Finney prayed for like an hour and a half as people queued up as he prayed for them for their backs. And he saw a lot of people healed. So if you've got any pain or any discomfort, please come forward. Uh, we're going to pray for you. Awesome. Great. So let's stretch out our hands. Let's pray for everyone.